First Peter chapter two. <clears throat> We've been, of course, making our way through this book, and uh, tonight we're at verse 13. We're going to read through the end of the chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. What glory is it if, when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I've titled this tonight, Submission with Honor. Submission with Honor. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. And I pray as we look into the word of God tonight that we just quiet our hearts before you, give attention to your, to your word, and uh, uh, pray that you would just speak to our hearts and encourage us. Strengthen us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in this book, Peter, of course, is talking about um, our inheritance that we have, uh, what we have in Christ, what the Old Testament prophets looked into, which they did not have, the angels desired to search into it. We have something far superior to any before us. Um. We, have, we don't have shadows and figures. We have the real substance, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, it, and he, of course, and instructs us we're to gird up our loins, we're to live holy lives, submitted to the will of the Father. And, 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 and then he begins to, in chapter 2, uh, talks about being a, a lively stone. You know, I don't know if you ever saw a lively stone or not, but we are like living stones, he says. But, but we, are, we are commanded, as, as we think about this this thought of submitting ourselves to the Lord, being obedient children, uh, we are to submit to authorities that God has given over us, and that's what the remainder of this chapter about in, in the first chap- part of chapter 3, and, and, and so on. But anyway, so as you think about this tonight, you know, one, of the, one of the primary philosophies of our pop culture 
is freedom from tyranny. And I say that in quotations, freedom from tyranny. What they mean by that is freedom from all authority. That's our culture. That's the philosophy of our culture today. They call it freedom to choose what one desires at the moment. To have freedom to express yourself. You know, one of the popular philosophies for child training is you need to let your children express themselves. I do. When I paddle them, they can express themselves a little bit. They can cry. But, you know, um, no. No, they need to learn to control themselves. It's called discipline. No, anyway, how to get off on that. So we're, we're supposed to have freedom to express yourselves however you please. Freedom from financial responsibilities. Free college, free health care, etc., etc. Sexual freedom. And if you choose to abort your child if you want to, and so on. That's the philosophy of our culture today. The attitude is to throw off all restraints and all ideas of authority. What many do not understand is that does not give us liberty or freedom. That only brings you into anarchy and bondage and chaos. It leads and is... is uh, uh, leads to tyranny where the strong dominate, subdue, and violate the rights and liberties of the weaker. All you have to do is go to Cuba, and you'll find out. Or the Soviet Union, or China. That's the fruits of that philosophy. You know, the root of this problem is spiritual. It's not social. It's not economical. It's spiritual. The root of America's problems is spiritual, not economical. Our economical woes are part of our spiritual problem. It is a lack of understanding the nature of man. That is, man's sin nature. You know, our founding fathers understood this. That's why they created a government like we have. Now, John Adams, he was a very outspoken um, of the founding fathers, and he did a lot of talking. He said a lot of good things. But anyway, John Adams said this, and, you know, and I could quote many others that, that, that said similar things, but, but uh, let me find it right here. Um, <clears throat> on uh, June 1st, or June 21st, 1776, John Adams wrote, quote, Statesman, my dear sir, may plan and speculate for liberty. But it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. And if this cannot be inspired into our people in a greater measure than they have it now, they may change their rulers and the forms of government, but they will not obtain a lasting liberty. Unquote. Um, He also said on October 11, 1798, as president, he stated in his address to the military, quote, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. A variance, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern government to the government of any other uh, unquote 
uh, in a letter to Mr. Warren, uh, he, he said this, quote, This form of government is productive of everything which is great and excellent among men, but its principles are as easily destroyed as human nature is corrupted. A government is only to be supported by pure religion or austere morals. Private and public virtue is the only foundation of republics. Do you ever wonder why our government is getting bigger and bigger? It's because our people are becoming more and more lawless. That's why. It's because we can't govern ourselves. I mean, why do we have so many laws concerning, you know, it, it irritates me a little bit every time one of my children's time to get their driver's license. When I was, back when I was a kid, 40, 40 years ago, I could go get my permit and go take my test. And I didn't have to take driver's ed. Uh, all I had to have was an eye test. That was it. Now they got to go through this class. And you know, they do all these things. Why is that? Because they're having problems with teenage drivers. Why do they have problems with teenage drivers? Because we got problem parents. That's the bottom line. We got problem. We got parents that aren't parents. They're kids themselves. See, we're lawless. You know, we have more and more laws concerning things in school, but we still can't control them. Um. You see, God has an order of authority. The God's order of authority that he presents to us as a society or is a, is a, a society of, or culture of order, harmony, and peace and liberty for all. But that is, that is all the fruit of submission to God's ordained authority. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 25, the Bible says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Now, I want you to think about what, what that says there. The perfect law of liberty. And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed. So we look into the perfect law of liberty. You see, you can't have liberty without some laws. Again, without some laws, you have chaos. You know, one of the things that's in the, uh, uh, was in the, I guess, the Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, we have certain inalienable rights. What are they? Life, liberty, property. All right. Now, without some laws, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose them. Somebody stronger than you will take them. That's human nature. That's the depraved human nature. And so to, pro to protect those liberties for everyone, we need laws protecting our life, our liberties, and our property. You know, every man has a right to their choices and their opinions unless those choices violate my rights. Then it's not a right. 
And, of course, that's what's happening in our country. Just think about this thing before the Supreme Court tonight uh, concerning this cake baker from Colorado. Uh, his, his rights, you know, his rights are being violated. Hey, you know, I guess if they want to be gay, they can be gay. But that doesn't mean I have to approve it or sanction it or endorse it. That's a violation of my right. And I hate to say this, but their lifestyle does affect me. It is burdening our health care system with medical costs. Their sinful lifestyle is costing millions of dollars to our health care system. And guess who's burdened with some of that? We are. So do they have a right to their lifestyle? <laughs> question. Anyway, I won't go there. Uh, it's not the purpose of this message. I don't want to get off on that. But as we think of, so as we think about this submission, let, let's let's get to our to our text. First of all, I have three things. First of all, there needs to be submission to every ordinance. In verse 12 it says, having your uh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of men for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So we are to submit to every ordinance. Of course, the word submit means to put oneself under. Uh, it, you know, a good picture of this is in Matthew chapter 8. We were looking at uh, Thursday night, the centurion who, who sent to Jesus, you know, asking him to come heal his servant. And, and he said, you know, just, just say the word. He said, I'm a man under authority, and I say to the man, go, and he goeth. And this one do this, and he doeth it. You know, so so the idea again: these these servants were under him, and they would simply do, or they were they put themselves under him, and they would simply do what he commanded. And that's the idea here: submission, which is to put oneself under. And government was ordained of God for the punishment of evildoers. Um. And, and, of course, this was instituted clear back in Genesis chapter 9 when Noah came out of the ark in Genesis chapter 9. And, you know, we have a, a simple, simplest form of human government, uh, the beginnings of it. Genesis 9, verses 6 and 7, or 5 and 6, it says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of a man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of a man. Of man, whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So, you know that is human government in a nutshell. And so the government is ordained of of God for the punishment of evildoers. Uh, Romans thirteen also talks about this in Romans chapter thirteen. says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, 
For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So government is ordained of God. You know, as you think about, think about this in context with Peter here, this would have been a hard pill to swallow for some in his day. He's writing to the Jews scattered abroad the, who are under Roman rule and they hated it. And he says, you're to submit to every ordinance of man what the Lord's saying. The word ordinance means rule or law. So there is to be submission to every ordinance, and we're to submit with honor. Notice verse 15 says, For so is the will of God, with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, it is the will of God. Now, notice two things here. Uh, first he says, we're, we're, it is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Uh, we're, to, we're to do it do it with well-doing. The word well-doing means doing right or that which is beneficial or that which profits others. So our submission is to be in a way that profits others. And... And the other word here I want to uh, draw your attention is, is to put to silence. The word put to silence means to close the mouth with a muzzle. I'm sure actually sometimes you put a muzzle on dogs that come in or cats. You close their mouth. You muzzle them. You see, God said with well-doing you can muzzle the mouth. Of the ignorant. You know, there are a lot of people in this world who are just plain ignorant about the truths of the Word of God, about the benefits that Christian people bring to a society. They look at us as we're troublemakers. In fact, I remember I remember when Bill Clinton was under investigation for all his escapades, his wickedness. And one of the things that came out in the news, I remember reading it, was that he was a victim of the religious right. See, they don't want to accept responsibility for the sin. They want to blame it on somebody, so they're victims of the religious right. We are the problems. That's how they look at us. But with our well-doing, doing that which is right, doing that which is beneficial, even to our government and to others, we can close the mouth. We can muzzle their mouths. Where they can't, they don't know what to say. You know, we have an example of this in, in Acts chapter 4. Look at Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, you know, Peter and John go up to the temple to pray about the ninth hour, and, and in the process, they come, to, they, 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 confront a lame man, and they heal him. Through, of course, through the power of Christ. And then Peter that takes that opportunity, and he preaches uh, a message to the people there. And, of course, the, the priests and the captains of the temple, verse 1 of chapter 4, and the Sadducees come upon them. They're grieved because they taught the people and preached through the resurrection, the, Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And so they put them in prison, 
And the next day, it's the next day in verse, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, of course, they, the, high, the Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and all, all these Pharisees and the elders and rulers come together. And verse 7 says, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, saith unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is a salvation any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. When they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they confirmed among them say, themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them, as a manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it you know they're, 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 I mean they want to get rid of these two guys but their mouths have been kind of muzzled because of what's been done by their good deeds by their benefit and their profit to others they've been muzzled we have another example of this in Daniel chapter 6 Remember, Daniel was made one of the uh, three or four presidents of under Darius the Mede. And, of course, he was, he was promoted above all the others because an excellent spirit was found in him, and the others were jealous of him. And so they, they tried to find something to find fault with Daniel, but they could not. They could not. You see, his... He was of an excellent spirit. He was beneficial. He was profitable to the king and his kingdom. And to everyone. So they couldn't say anything. The only thing they could do was find occasion or fault with his God. And of course, that's when they come up, no man can pray uh, to any God except the king for 30 days. You see, these, this is being an example of a Christian, a witness for the Lord, bringing glory to Him with our well-doing. Our well-doing. So, so well-doing, and, and then we're to also submit with, our, with respect for all. Notice verses 16 and 17 says, As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, Peter, of course, is addressing free men and slaves. You know, we don't have slaves today. We have employees and employers. It's similar, but not exactly the same. But, so he's, he's addressing these free men. These, these are probably Jewish free men scattered under the Roman dominion authority. And it gives them a warning uh, here you see, free men had many privileges over slaves. And he warns them to respect, to show respect 
to those in authority over the Roman government, which they did not like, and not have a cloak of maliciousness. Now, that phrase, cloak of maliciousness, uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon described it this way, wickedness that is not ashamed to break the laws. You know, some people think that because they are under God's authority, they don't have to obey government authority. You know, that's, that's like, that's sort of like a child saying, I obey God, not my parents. I'm, am I missing something somewhere? You know, the Catholic priests think they're above the law. Pope thinks he's above the law. You know, no one's above the law. The president isn't even above the law. I had a guy asked me here uh, about a month ago. He was riding in the car, and Nathan had been witnessing to him, and, and I did a couple times. But anyway, he's always on his phone. And uh, he asked me, he said, do you think police are above the law? I know what he's getting at. I said, no, because he's kind of an anti-police guy. you know. I said, no. They're not above the law. They represent the law, but that doesn't mean they can violate it any more than anyone else can. He said, well, there's a, there's a, uh, it was a uh, state trooper that was chasing down a, I think it was either a county or a city policeman who was speeding. He was going like 85, something like that. Anyway, and they finally did, I guess they arrested the person, you know, and, uh, He was looking for an excuse, of course. No, no one is above the law. Uh, You know, I I have known pastors are always fighting with the authorities. I knew a pastor that broke into a lady's house. You know, being a pastor doesn't mean you can violate the law or break the law. Uh, you know, even, even, even when the government makes laws or tries to force us to do things contrary to the word of God, we still need to show respect to the law. Now, this, now this gets difficult for some people to understand. Um, for example, in our country today, you know, I mentioned this this Jack Phillips who's going before the Supreme Court because uh, he refused to bake a cake for a gay, gay marriage. And of course, some of you probably remember Kim Davis, who, who is a county clerk in Kentucky who refused to issue marriage licenses for gays that desired to get married. Um, and of course, the law was trying to, was trying to force these people you know, but just because the law is contrary to what the Word of God says doesn't mean we can be malicious. Or, you know, the word malicious has the idea of ill will, wanting to do harm. You know, I've heard preaching already 
that made it sound like Shadrach and Meshach were in the face of Nebuchadnezzar saying, we will not bow to your image. I don't think it was like that. I think they simply said, King, out of all respect, we cannot bow to your image. We'll submit to every ordinance, but this one contradicts the law of our God, and we cannot do it. They did it with an attitude of respect. You see, submission is an attitude more than anything. It's an attitude. They weren't in your face about it. I shouldn't admit this, but when I was young and foolish, I got stopped a couple times. When I was, this is when I was going to Bible school. I traveled 81 miles one way twice a week going to Bible school. A couple times I got stopped. And this, this guy I went to church with said, and I'd usually get off. I rarely got a ticket. I think I might have got one out of three or four. <laughs> and this guy said to me, he said, how do you get off? I said, I don't know. I show him respect. I call him officer. I say, yes, sir. I never begged to let me off because I'm guilty. I deserve a fine. You know what he always did? Oh, come on, man. Let me off. Let me, you know, that's the kind of idea he had, the attitude he had. And he wondered why he always got a ticket. Not saying I should have been off, but I did. <laughs> you see, whether what they do is right or not, the Bible says in verse 17, we're to honor all men. That means whether people agree with us or not, we're to respect, as we uh, mentioned earlier, their rights of liberty. And property, and what was the other one? Uh, life, liberty, and property. Everyone has that right, whether we agree with them or not. We are to show respect to them. Um, you know, a, a pastor, a pastor is accountable to a church. 1 Timothy 3 gives the qualifiers for a pastor. Uh, who enforces those? The church does. Titus was told to ordain elders in every church. So none of us are above the law. And then we have, thirdly, the submission's great example here, and of course that is our Lord Jesus Christ. In verses 21 to 25, it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteous by whose stripes you were healed. Now, you know, of course, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he did no sin. In other words, he, 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 was, he always did that which was well-doing.
His life was full of good deeds to the glory of God. 1 John 3, 3, or 3, 5 says, He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Uh, Peter tells us here there was no guile found in his mouth. The word guile means deceitful or crafty. There was nothing tricky about the things he said. He was always honest and straightforward. And he reviled not. Now, think about who's writing this and go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 69. <clears throat> Matthew 26, verse 69. You know, vile means to speak evil of. Matthew 26, 69 says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. Be denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was going out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said, Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bewrayeth thee. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crow, crew. And Peter remembered the lords of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, Jesus cursed the Lord. And I'm sorry, Peter cursed the Lord. When he's instructing those he sent this letter to, he said, when Jesus reviled, he reviled not. You know, Peter was being reviled as one that followed Jesus. And he cursed the Lord. Spurgeon said this, Quote, which hour do you think of the sufferings of the Lord from Gethsemane to Gathatha would be deep, most deeply engraved upon the memory of Peter? Surely it would be that space of time in which he was mocked and buffeted in the hall of the high priest, when Peter sat and warmed his hands at the fire, when he saw the Lord, his Lord abused and was afraid to own that he was his disciple. And by and by became so terrified that with profane language, he declared, I know not the man. So long as life lingered, the apostle will remember the meek and quiet bearing of his suffering Lord. Unquote. You know, the point is this. The world can get under your skin if you aren't careful. And Peter instructs these here, look, what glory is it, verse 20, when ye be buffeted for your faults, if you take it patiently? What glory is in that? 
You know, it's like in Matthew chapter, was it chapter 5, where Jesus said, you know, if you salute them that salute you, or if you do good to them that do good to you, what different are you, and this is my paraphrase, what different are you than the world? But if you do good to them that hate you, bless them that persecute you, then you're like your Father which is in heaven. Whether your Father's good to the just and the unjust alike. So what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults? If we complain, if we you know, speak ill of, of government um, you know, and curse them and that sort of thing, what glory is it if we take it patiently? But if when you do well, you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. I must admit, there are times it's tough to take with some of the things that's going on in our country, in our nation. And not only in our nation, but in local. Some of the laws that have been made, excuse me for saying, but they're as dumb as a doornail. They're destroying our country. But the Bible tells us we are to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Unless it contradicts the scriptures, we're to obey it. We're to obey it. And even if it contradicts the scriptures, we're to still have an attitude of submission. But we are to obey God. You know, authority is hierarchical. That is, God is over all, so God is the final authority. In fact, look at verse 17. It says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So we're to, we're to fear God, God above all, but we're to show respect to these that are under him and show submission to them as well that we may glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, And be like him, who when he was reviled or when he suffered, he didn't threaten. He just committed himself to him that judges righteously. Uh, might God help us to have a submissive attitude to those God places in authority over us. Whether it's parents, employers, Pastors or government, whatever it is, might God help us to have that submissive spirit that, he, that, that pleases and honors the Lord and brings glory to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction that you give us. And Lord, I pray you to help us as your people to be careful to guard against this attitude that is so prevalent in our world today. of rebellion against authority. So, Lord, just give us grace and wisdom. Help us to be salt and light. And help us with our well-doing to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Help us to glorify you in our actions and our attitudes. We pray in Jesus' name.